0: issues with kate smith and god bless america your online narrative attacks on your money and doxing Irish Man Stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on The Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to The Blaze, where you come for the accent. Yes, we, 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 the accent. (laughs) And you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today, and I want to dedicate today's show to a show that I used to watch as a kid. And it's a show I, that still runs today, and it's still really, really good. And there's a reason why I want to dedicate today's show to it, because it's, it's rather apt. And that show is a show that is a cartoon, it's for kids, but it's still really good. If, even if you're like me in your 30s, or maybe older in your 40s and 50s, that show is called Animaniacs. You ever watch Animaniacs? It's really good. Well, two of my favorite characters on that show were two little mouses called Pinky and the Brain. And they were kind of like me. They started a show the same way each and every time the way I start. You know, hey, this is where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. They always had the same kind of opening monologue. It was one who would look at each other and say, well, Brain, what are we going to do tonight? And then in a sinister voice, he would look at them and go, well, Pinky, the same thing we do every night. <laughs> Try and take over the world. And then they'd have this, you know, adventure where they tried to take over the world. They had this devious plan of how they were going to get politicians or, or media or people to do something really bad so that they would be the tyrants that ruled over everyone. They would control the narrative. They control the media. Now, ultimately, because this is a cartoon and because it's for kids, they ultimately failed. And it was hilariously funny. And then it would be, well, what are we going to do tomorrow night? The same thing we did last night. Try and take over the world. And that was the show. Very good, very humorous, very simple, very funny. Why am I dedicating today's show to this? Because in many, many, many ways, we are literally living a repeat of this show, but in different narratives. When you watch people or when you listen to people in the media, when you listen to pundits, they literally are the same agenda time and time and time again. They have the same narrative. It does not change. It will never change. Because for it to change, you have to fundamentally be number one, humble. But two, you have to understand and be self questioning and kind of go, hey, was I, you know, you know, am I right on this? You know, did the facts back me up? And number three, then you have to be humble enough to go, hey, maybe I was wrong. I was wrong and may a copa and say sorry. That is why you rarely see anybody in the media changed the narrative the, the narrative is a self-fulfilling prophecy of i'm right this is why i proved i'm right and these are the facts and even if the facts are not quite right it's still a narrative now people will hear this and kind of go well are you slamming everyone left and right and saying well narratives are a bad thing no narratives can be good narratives can be bad it doesn't not a narrative is not what it is it's the person that's behind the narrative it's like a gun guns don't kill people People kill people. It's how they are used. There's a narrative on everyone that you listen to. It may not be a clear narrative. It may not be an obvious narrative. They might not even know the narrative that they're peddling, but everyone does it. This show does it. This show has a very clear narrative, or I hope it is very clear. My aim of this show is two narratives. One, talking to you about American principles and why America is an exceptional nation and different and unique But secondly, the narrative of this show is is rather different to a lot of shows in that I don't tell you what to think. I question you. I give you the questions so that you can take this show, go do your own research, and then you can find out where you stand on the issues. That's the narrative. Narratives can be good. Narratives can be bad. But I want to talk to you about how narratives are viewed. And how if you view things through the lenses of politics, if where you drew it, view it through the lens of people, of parties, of sides, you will be kind of, you know, maybe misled astray. If you view it through principles, you will always end up on the same path. And I want to take a story just to walk through this with you, a story that's been really big and really well discussed in your culture this week. And I want to take you through it, not from the the principles of the thing, but just go through the different narratives and how you can come out with different endings to the story, depending on what narrative you're trying to peddle, regardless of what biases you have. That story is Kate Smith and God Bless America. That song, if you haven't heard the news, she used to sing a song, God Bless America. It was a lovely song. It was very, I loved it because there was certain lines in it that really touched my heart and, and my story. And it also touched my heart for different reasons, which we'll come to in a few minutes. But it, it was uncovered that she sang some songs include, with racist language. Now, the first narrative, if you want to just say it, and you just want to look at America and you want to go, you know what, America is this really bad nation. It's this really bad nation that you've never got over slaveries, that white people are all racist, they're bigots, they don't like people of color, and that if anyone is there different, they want to destroy you. That they literally see you nothing more than a peasant, than a slave. If you view America through that lens, you will just go and hear this story and jump on the bandwagon. Your narrative is, America sucks, America's racist. This, Kate Smith, you see this, John, people like John, they love Kate Smith's God Bless America. But she sang this other song called, That's What Darkies Are For. And you see, that just proves she was a racist. It proves people like John, who like her, are racist. It proves that it's so part of the American culture that America is this evil, racist nation. That's the narrative, if that's what you want to believe. Now, that's narrative one. Here's narrative two. If you actually are someone like me who will actually do some homework and kind of go, Hey, who is Kate Smith? What is Kate Smith known for? You know, is there any characteristics of Kate Smith that may be redeeming, that maybe bring this all into question? Well, you'll find very quickly that Kate Smith is known for many things. But probably maybe her one characteristic that, you know, probably stands out among most of them is that during World War II, when America was in the war, was struggling for finances, Kate Smith on her own bat went on did telethons. And in today's money raised approximately $10 billion for war bonds. Now, we're all in a society where we all can agree, even left, right, they may disagree on the reasons, but Hitler was not a good guy. Standing up to Hitler was a good thing. This is a lady who stood up to Hitler, raised war bonds that America could go and defeat Adolf Hitler. Does that sound like someone that's really bad to you? Does it? Does that sound like someone that's really bad? But then you get onto the Google. You get onto the machine, you kind of go, hey, guess what? What was the song? That's what darkies are for. Okay, where was this song? Who wrote it? Then you find out, well, number one she didn't write the song okay so she's not the author she's just the singer okay am i saying this is any way less incriminating let's just do more homework what was the context of this show what was it for well then you do some more research and you find well this was performed on broadway okay normally broadway up the north and you know new york Isn't going to be really that type of attitude, you know, that would be more of a Southern thing, potentially, if you want to go with the the, the climate. You know, if you want to go with the whole stereotypes, well, North was good, South was bad. Not saying that's my opinion, that's saying the narrative. But then you go read the song, and you read the song, and you're like, this is like unbelievable. This is like either the worst thing since sliced bread, or it's a parody, because it is that horrifically bad. And then you kind of look at where it was performed. It was performed on Broadway and it was performed in a show. And then you start reading and doing research about the show. Now, I know this takes time, but that's what you have to do. It takes time. You research it and you got to go, wow, this show that this song was sung in, this play, was mocking white supremacists. It is a parody. It is parroting that people who are white supremacists literally think that because you have white skin, you are somehow more noble, more better than everyone else. And that literally you look at someone who is the exact same as you, but does darker skin. Well, all you can do, you know, you can't do anything. All you can do is pick cotton. Really? But let's go back to just asking ourselves one honest question about our culture. Let's say that, you know, John... She is an actor, an actress. She had a choice to sing this song. And that that underlines some deep racism. That, you know, if you were really someone like you claim to be who's so anti-racism, you would never sing this song. Okay. Let's just answer that point for a second. Again, let's go back to the, the part of culture, which we can all seemingly agree on, the vast majority of people. Hitler was not a good person, right? Everyone pretty much agrees on this. Well, I did a quick Google search, I got onto the interwebs. I went onto Google. And I just typed a question. Actors who played Adolf Hitler in movies. Turns out there's 27 of them. And some of them are pretty big actors. There's Alec Guinness, who was big in Star Wars. There was Anthony Hopkins, who was, like, famous for Lord of... Uh, Silence of the Lambs. There was Sir Ian McKellen, who was, like, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. What should we do to their careers? They played one of the society what society says are one of the worst people to ever have lived should we destroy their careers should we say to them you know what you should have better judgment you should not have wanted to play hitler you don't want to betray him what's the question what's the answer to that what culture do you want to live in so that's the second narrative the fact-checking narrative here's the third narrative if you do the fact-checking and you go through all that research and you now understand everything I've laid out, well, here's the third narrative. You see, John, this is why we are fighting the left. This is why the left are so dangerous. This is what people like you don't get with your whole love your enemy. Because this is what I get, by the way. You see, this is PC culture gone wrong. They literally are betting on you not doing the research. Mm-hmm. I got it. But you can share that narrative. You can share that narrative and go, this is all liberals. It's only liberals have the problem. Okay, there's your third narrative. Your fourth narrative is to de- break yourselves into further into teams. Because there has been repercussions of this finding out that Kate Smith sang this song. And this is where it gets really complicated. And I'm going to make me the gimme picker and say my teams versus other people's teams. You see, I could get on here and go, you see, this is the problem. People won't do their research. People won't do their homework. And the part of the problem with the culture is, it's teams like the Philadelphia Flyers, the hockey team. Because, you see, they have a great relationship with Kate Smith, or did. Because in the 70s, when they were playing in the Stanley Cup, they invited her in game six to sing God Bless America. And she sang. And they won the game, and they won the Stanley Cup. They erected a statue to her. To show you how much of a relationship they had, you think of the sports icons that Philadelphia has statues to? Sylvester Stallone, obviously Rocky. Kate Smith, a couple of others. That's how much they appreciated her. That's how strong the roots were. And just because of one song, without the research being done, they literally said, you know what? Yeah, that's not who we were. That's not who we are. Take the statue, cover the statue, get rid of it. We have no longer anything to do with Kate Smith. They you see, I could get on here and share my narrative, and go, well, you see, that's Philadelphia for you, liberal bastion of Philadelphia, baby, that's what you expect, Philly, bunch of, you know, bunch of liberals, bunch of Democrats, you know, all they want to do is share their narrative, there's your fourth narrative, but the fifth narrative, when it comes to teams, will make me uncomfortable, it won't make me personally uncomfortable, because I'm going to talk about it, but in, when you have a team jersey, and politics, You may have to question your own side. Because the fifth narrative is, the Flyers aren't the only team to throw Kate Smith under the bus. This one's close to home for me. The New York Yankees have also done the same thing. You see, the New York Yankees have a relationship with Kate Smith and her family, even though she's not around anymore. And that relationship started after 9-11. That relationship started post-9-11, and continue start a tradition that in the seventh inning stretch, in the seventh inning stretch, they would play Kate Smith's rendition of "God Bless America." I've been to Yankee Stadium as someone who loves the Yankees, and they are my team. Even though y'all hate us, that's just the way it is. They are my team. They are my. I wear pinstripes proudly. They are wrong for doing what they did, because that tradition goes back a long time. That tradition, and the way they did everything about it, where they had the old record, you know, it wasn't the best sounding, like it wasn't modern day playing of it. It was, you know, you kind of had the little, you know, record little tinges in the song. If you've listened to a record, you know what I'm saying. And it was an amazing feeling. As someone who's been to Yankee Stadium and, and actually stood for that song, it's amazing. I love that song so much. But the Yankees have done the same thing. The Yankees... Have abandoned her. Stopped, they have stopped playing God Bless America and Kate Smith's rendition of it in the seventh inning stretch. So there's your five narratives. Depending on what agenda you have, depending on what narrative you're trying to portray, will ultimately depend on what narrative you share. Because it would be very easy for me as someone, if I was playing team jerseys, to hear this story, get all outraged by it, and then see the New York Yankees do it, and then going to go, yeah, I'm going to leave that story. I'm not criticizing my team. I'm not criticizing someone I love. I'm just going to ignore that story. How many times do you see that in the media on both sides of the aisle? Here's the questions you have to ask yourself. What society do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a society where, good or bad, you automatically think your narrative is right? Your view on a issue, on a principle, on a country, on a politician, on a political party is right, and you are literally looking for confirmation bias, where you're literally scouring the media, going, that proves I'm right, that proves I'm right, that proves I'm right. A list might ask you some tough questions. I'm not. I'm not reading that, I'm not listening to that. Or do you want truth to be your guide? Do you want reason and logic to be your guide? And let the chips fall where they may. Where you may be put in a point where you find something that doesn't support your theory. It doesn't support your narrative. Our friends on the left are great at this. You look at climate change. Climate is changing. Oh my God, we're all going to die. Well, its climate is warming. The climate's cooling. There's ice caps. The ice caps are melting. Oh, there's too many polar bears. Oh, there's not enough polar bears. Oh, there's too many polar bears. It's all boiled down to the climate change. It's global warming. It's global cooling. It's climate change. It's climate chaos. We have 500 days to save the planet. We have 12 years till the planet ends. The narrative is the same. 99% of scientists that we support say it's, climate change is real you'll see all this it's all confirmation bias you literally have this in your politics where literally both parties and both people running are marmite the republican party are either great or they suck the same with the democratic party the same with donald trump you're going to start seeing this now in the 2020 election because you have all these candidates running around saying hey they're the best And you're going to have media outlets saying, hey, they suck or they're awesome. Because I have my candidate. My candidate's Trump. My candidate's Biden. My candidate's Bernie. My candidate's Harris. My candidate's someone else. And everything they do will look for confirmation bias. Again, agendas don't necessarily have to be bad. Agenda is bad or good by the person who's using it and who's following it. Ultimately, your job... Is to suss out the people you listen to And ask yourself What is their agenda? What is the narrative they're trying to feel? Because right now The narrative In so many places On both sides of the aisle Is You have to think a certain way You have to hate the other side They're the problem We're noble They're not Get them You have to ask yourself Is that true? What narratives And what narratives do I want to pursue? This takes me to you. Because in the world that we live in, in 2019, with social media, you are also a publisher. You are also a content creator. What you share, what you write, what you think, what you video about, what you YouTube, you are sharing a narrative with people. You may not know it. You may think, well, I'm just a small person. I only have a selection of Facebook friends, and I only have a few followers on Twitter. I'm nobody. You are also sharing a narrative. What you share, what you talk to people about, what you're interested in. And it can, again, these doesn't necessarily, I know when people think, hear this, when I've said this to people in the past, they always go, well, you know, narratives are always bad, right? You know, you're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to process everything you're sharing, you're trying to, it's not real, it's not organic, it's, it's fake. You're only sharing what you want to. Look, even if you're just, you know, on Facebook and you're one of these people who, you know, shares loads of cat pictures and loads of pictures with your kids and, or maybe just playing loads of games, I don't know, Candy Crush or whatever y'all do. Again, I, I don't know. So, you know, hey, you got a new level, you got to a new level. You're just, you're sharing a narrative with the world. You really like Candy Crush or whatever the, the, the I think that's a couple of years ago, maybe whatever modern day game is now, you know, whatever it is, you're sharing a narrative. If you're sharing a narrative with just your family. You know, you're sharing pictures, you know, you're going to the gym, you're working out, you're sharing a narrative of, hey, I'm self-improving, I'm not happy with myself, I want to be better, I want to be stronger, I want to be fitter, I want to be better looking. Whatever the narrative is, we're all doing it. We're all sharing a story with the world. But I want to ask you a question when it comes to your politics. Because right now you're gearing up for 2020. And thank God Joe Biden heard the call of the world that all the world leaders are like, please, Joe, run, please, 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 please. We need you to save our world. We need you to be the savior of the world. I know you're old and I know you've served and I know they're going to say really bad things about you. But Joe, we need you. And Joe, because Joe is so kind and humble and not self-serving and not motivated by the power and the lust of the presidency, he actually is running He's running for president in 2020 because, yeah, for those that aren't listening, that is dripped in sarcasm. But you are literally at the point where there's 20 candidates now in the Democratic Party running. And you're going to have the build up to all them candidates saying what they're going to do for you. And they're going to, Democrats are going to have to vote for who they want to challenge Donald Trump. And then you're going to get next year, and you're going to get the election of ever who the nominee is versus Donald Trump. And you'll probably have other people like John Kasich running around, Hey, I want to challenge Donald Trump, because Donald Trump is Hitler. Here's the question for you. What do you want to focus on? I want you to close your eyes. And I want you just to not think about anybody else but you. And I want you to look at yourself and kind of go, I'm going to paint a picture of two worlds. And you can decide which world you live in for the next 18 to 24 months. The first world is America. America where you literally will spend every waking minute that you possibly have free on social media. On a blog if you're a writer. On a news show if you have a TV show or a radio show. Where you will literally spend every second discussing what the 20 democrats say you'll discuss whether they've got a chance to win whether they're gonna lose whether they've got no hope you'll have plenty of insults, hey they're just a bunch of commies you'll have the viral moments of where they say something silly you know the big viral moment i think this week was uh, amy klobuchar's jeb bush moment hey this is where you're supposed to clap And then, like, the clapping seals, when she said it, they all clapped. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I wasn't with the memo. I'm supposed to clap here. Here's a round of applause for you. You'll have all the miscues. You'll have the flip-flops. Hey, I said this yesterday. I know, but I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I've evolved my position from yesterday. You'll hear about how the left are the problem. How they are horrible for America. How America will never be the same if fill-in-the-blank wins. My friends on the left are going through this. They're going to talk about this. But my friends on the right spend just as much time talking about the Democratic primary. Even though they have no influence or very little, they're not going to vote. It's just air filler, writing filler. Is that the world you want to live in? Is that the world you want to live in? And then it gets to the general election and you my friends on the left will be saying, Hey, you know, Donald Trump can't have another four years because he is literally Hitler and America'll never be the same and ever who it is, whether it's Joe Biden. I actually, spoiler alert, I don't do politics, but I don't think he has a chance in hell of winning. But I could be wrong. But it's Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or you know Kamala Harris, ever who it is, they're the worst things in sliced bread. If America gets them as president, it's going to be horrific. And you're both going to say the same thing. Both are Satan. Both, but we're the noble ones. That's the other side is the problem. And you'll all throw stones. That's the first world you can live in. The second world is again, it's America. And I'm not going to make, you know, I'm not going to do the polar opposites and be unrealistic here where America is this great bastion, and, you know, we all sing Kumbaya. No. The second one is America, where you actually understand politics has a role in your life. Who you vote for is important. Where do you vote is important. It's an ultimately, as a Christian, I say this, it's a decision that, you know, you will go down in the book of life for you, how you vote it. Or if you voted, maybe you have to abstain. Maybe you cannot morally put your name beside any of those candidates. And I know people don't like when I say this, but I can understand why you say that. I live in a country where I can't vote for anyone. My last five votes have been Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, Daffy Duck, and Jesus, I think. I'm not sure about Daffy Duck. Oh no, Pluto was the other one. Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, Pluto, and Jesus. They're my last five votes. Because for me, I won't put my name beside anyone that I believe is horrifically wrong—not even closely wrong, but horrifically wrong in politics. I—we have elections over here right now. We have uh, elections, three elections: one for people to run in Europe, two for people to run in the local council, and third one is a referendum on divorce. I'm looking at all these and kind of going, "Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't put my name beside any of you because we are so far apart." If that's you then that's your decision no one else is going to be responsible for that vote or lack of vote than you and you will be held responsible for your vote or lack of vote in heaven with god and if you can sleep with yourself at night then that's up to you but politics does play a part and yes the 2020 election for president is important it has a role to play but how about this the second world is where you actually instead of doing insults and viral moments and talking about the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, how about we actually spend time discussing principles? How about when was the last time you heard some of the people discuss these? How about you had people for the next 18 months talk about why America is an exceptional nation? How about that? How, about, um, how amazing would that be? Regardless of what side you're on, what do you actually like about America? How about you actually discussed a different issue or a different principle each day or each week or each month about why the Constitution, you know, the book, the book that you support, you know, when you put your hand on the Bible and say, I will pledge to defend, protect, preserve, defend, and protect the Constitution of the United States. Sorry, I butchered that. I've never taken the oath of office, and I never will. But how about that? How about you discuss something like the Bill of Rights? How about you discuss something like the Declaration of Independence? Okay, John, we'll do that. And, but what are we going to do for 18 months? Okay, well, how about you discuss the Federalist, Anti-Federalist papers? Not who the writers were, but the actual topics. How about we have those discussions? Or if you want a really radical idea, because I have my... This is more for my friends on the right. Because I love my friends on the right. I really do. But you all go around, well, America is a Judeo-Christian nation. Okay. How about talking about the principles of Jesus? How about talking about the principles your nation was founded on? How your two icons are not Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Ronald Reagan or Calvin Coolidge or John F. Kennedy or even George Washington. The two icons America was built on were Jesus and Moses. How about talking about them? And I don't mean talk about them in their narratives of hey, well, you know, Donald Trump is God's calling. You know, God wants Donald Trump. No, talk about the actual principles. Talk about the principles of what they promote. How about we do that? Because you see, here's the truth. You have a role to play in this world. It may be a small role, it may be a large role. You may be a someone like me who, you know, writes or is a talker. You may be someone who has a couple of friends on social media. You may be someone who just talks politics at the dining room table. Or you may be someone more important than all of us. You may be the next great conservative or libertarian icon who's actually going to be a, conserv- a constitutionalist, who's going to run for Congress, run for Senate, maybe even run for President. You may be one of those people. Depending on what level you're at, the answer is still the same. Your words, your actions, and your deeds decide the world you want to live in. Because those two Americas that I painted for you are realistic. Everyone else may go a certain direction, but America is built on the principle of the individual. You don't have to be like everyone else. You do not have to conform just because everyone else may answer those two words and say, you know what? I'm going to look at everyone. That's the problem. I'm going to do what everyone else does. I'm going to look at the enemy and point say they're the problem. I'm never going to spend time talking about myself. I'm never going to spend time talking about principles. I'm never going to talk about philosophy or history or economics. I'm just going to say the left are the problem. And I'm going to point my virtuous finger at them and say, get them. The whole world may say that. But America is built on that premise that, you know what, just because the rest of the world does it, does not mean you have to go along with them. That you are a free person. That you will be judged on the content of your character. Not your party. Not anything else. You. You and your heart. Your words. Your actions and your deeds. If you believe the second answer makes America a better place, then you have to start it. And then people will join you. Because the frustrating thing for me as an outsider, as someone who loves your country is so many people want to make everything and the saviors about one person. Hey, if we just get Donald Trump in 2020, America's problems will go away. Hey, if we just get so-and-so, my senator, my congressperson, that is what will solve America. Here's the truth. Because right now, everything is about teams. Everything is not about principles you're seeing this over and over and over again what future do you want to build what future do you want to give to your kids and your grandkids what example do you want to set for them do you want to go along with the party lines or do you want to be for truth do you want to be for logic do you want to be for reason are you going to be a voice that says i will call out my own side even when they're wrong because here's where I want to take a sidebar for a second. And I don't want to name names, but you'll know them if you've been following the news. There have been politicians from both sides of the aisle who this week have had the audacity to say the VA is not broken. Shame on you. You see, here's the truth. I won't play sides. I salute your military. I salute the men and women who serve your nation. Because I believe, even through its pitfalls, even through its badness, even through its problems, because you're not perfect, that your men and women have done more to promote freedom and have risked their asses for that freedom. They have gone to, to, if I may quote your president, shitholes around the nation. They have been shot at. They have been bombed. They have been called all types of names. They've been spit at by your own people. They do it not for money, not for fame, but because they are called to do it and they want to serve. And then your government, in your people's name, have given them a contract that says, if anything is wrong with you, we will help you. That system has never done that. As someone who was blessed to call a lot of military people friends, I have yet to come across someone that says the VA is awesome. The stories I have heard make me sick to my stomach, and yet you have politicians playing politics this week on both sides of the aisle. saying, not a VA is fine. The VA, hey, if it isn't broke, don't f- if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And then another politician going out, oh, it's bro- it's not broken because I fixed it. Bull crap. Here's the truth. What side do you want to live on? Do you want to be a party person or do you want to be on truth? Because I'll answer my question. I'll answer it for you and it may pee you off. You may not like my choice, but I will always be on the side of principles. I will do my best to always be on the side of truth. I don't play parties. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who you vote for in the Democratic primary if that's who you vote for. I don't care who you vote for in the general. I will talk to you about principles and there are certain principles I've been more passionate about the VA been one of them it needs to end if we want change it will only happen i believe with principles not with parties <laughs> If I set you off or I annoyed you or you didn't like what I said, you know, get in contact with me on social media. I love engagement with you publicly or privately. On Twitter, Freedom Disciple. On Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58. Also, we're on every major platform that you can get out there for free. We're not behind any paywalls. Yes, we're part of The Blaze, but we're part of The Blaze's free subscription. If this show releases every Saturday morning around 12 noon Eastern, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, OmniFM, Spotify, Castbox, um, you name it, we're there. Please subscribe. Also, if you listen on platform like YouTube, or sorry, not you, YouTube, iTunes, please leave a rating and review. It helps the algorithm so new people can find the show and, and share it with your family and your friends. I want to talk to you about money because I want to give you another visualization. I want you to do, if you're a guy, I want you to reach into your back pocket and I want you to take your wallet out. If you're a girl, I want you to go to your purse and I want you to get your wallet. And I actually want you to do this. Because I'm going to do it with you. Except mine might be a bit more depressing. And I want you to open up your wallet. And if you're like me, a bit more frugal, I want you to blow the cobwebs off because that's important. <sighs> you know, because my wallet doesn't get open very often. That's because there's nothing in it. Oh, I have money. I have five euros. (laughs) But I want you to take that whatever money you have out. I'm taking out my five euro note. If you've got a dollar, a ten dollar bill, a twenty dollar bill, or if you're one of those millionaires and billionaires, and you have a fifty dollar bill, or even more, take that out. I want you to look at it. Now, obviously, I can't do it with your currency. I've got a five euro note, which is about six bucks. I want you to look at it. I want you to ask yourself some questions. Right now, who's in possession of that money? I want you to ask yourself, is it yours? Is this yours unconditionally? Did you earn it? How did you get it? And is it up to you how you can spend it? The reason I ask you these questions is because I want you to reflect on money. Because right now, money is under attack by both sides of the aisle. Yes, both sides of the aisle. You see, I'm one of those controversial people who actually believes, hey, if you go out and get a job and you earn money, ever how much it is, whether it's $100 or a $1 million, I don't care. The amount is irrelevant. The amount is just different. The principle is the same, that you have a right to earn money and you have a right to keep the fruits of your labor. Now, unless you're like beating people up and robbing people, you know, if you're earning a job or if you're a job creator or you're an entrepreneur, whatever it is, if you earn money, you can get to keep it. It's a simple principle that your job of government, yes, you have to pay some taxes. And this is not a a monologue about taxes, but it's about money. You have a right to keep as much of that money as you earn because you earned it. The government didn't earn it. I didn't earn the money that's in your pocket. You did you earned it by doing a pro- offering a product or a service and in return people offered you money simple but right now money is under attack money is under attack because everyone is saying you didn't earn it you're seeing this with attacks from socialism you're seeing this hey guess what you didn't earn that we need to take more of your money You're seeing this with Republicans in certain states going, Yeah, I don't believe in tax cuts. I don't think we need any more tax cuts. What they're saying is, I don't believe we need to let you keep more of your own money. Is that fair? Is that right? Is that the answer? Is that a traditional, if you want to put on team jerseys, is that a traditional Republican position? I want to talk to you about some stories, and I want to link them all together. Some stories that have been in your culture, some ideas that are radical, apparently, that have been in your culture over the last 10 days. And I want to talk to you about them because what society do you want to live in? The first one comes courtesy of our favorite newspaper, the newspaper that's just awesome and swell. You guessed it, the New York Times. Now, the New York Times does not like Donald Trump. This might might shock you. They don't like Donald Trump. And what they are focusing on right now, because the Mueller report came back with very little evidence of, no evidence of collusion, but evidence maybe of doing some things that you shouldn't do. This is not a time to discuss the Mueller report, by the way. But they are now focusing on their new favorite item. It's, hey, we got a new object to chase. What we need is Donald Trump's tax returns, because he hasn't paid his fair share. Okay. Okay. And they've come up with this idea, there was this op-ed, you can Google it and read it for yourself. Really frightening op-ed. Well, the solution is, what we're going to do is, we we need Donald Trump's tax returns. But hey, you know, while we're talking about Donald Trump, and, you know, Donald Trump will only be in office for a while, you know, we need to avoid these problems going forward. How about this? How about we publicly publish everyone's tax returns? What do you think about that as an idea? You know, it's funny, there's always, when you're not about principles and you're about teams... And our friends on the left are wonderful at this. It's amazing how your principles get intertwined. They become a pretzel. So the whole argument for abortion is the right to privacy. But when it comes to tax returns, no, no, we don't want privacy. No, everyone can see it. Now, let's just think about this for a second. The practical implications of this. And let me use me as a gimme pick. right? As someone who comes from a more humble, poorer background. Right? I don't have much money. You know, if you rob me, it's <laughs> If you decided, hey, I'm going to rob John's house, you're going to be bitterly disappointed. Like it's going to be like, I can't believe someone has this little stuff. Unless you like view like books on the constitution valuable like but, you know, maybe maybe they'd make good firewood. Right? But that's it. Unless you view an iPad valuable that's like 6 I think it's like I think it's like an iPad 2. There's not much to steal from my house. You know, flat screen TV. Wow, it's worth 200 bucks. Wow, anyone can have it. There's not much to steal. But let's say all of a sudden, I don't know. I'm trying to think of a most realistic example. Uh, Let me get me two examples. One, you know what? I I did the six lotto numbers at the weekend and I became a millionaire. Or all of a sudden I decided I'm going to throw every bit of money I have in Bitcoin and Bitcoin like went up by a thousand percent in one day. And I had a million dollars. Now imagine me from my background... And having to declare that income. I got a million dollars because I won the lotto or I was I I bet big on Bitcoin. Or whatever it is, fill in the blank. I created something. Even You know, let's do something more noble. I created an invention and someone bought it. Imagine living in my neighborhood. All of a sudden having that amount of money. Do you think that would make me a target? Do you think there would be people who would go... John just hit the jackpot. John just got rich. John is worth robbing. Do you think that would encourage crime or discourage crime? Just something to think about. Or how about you have a situation where, oh, I don't know, you have, you're declaring a load of medical expenses because you got tax write-offs. Let's say you have a, an issue that isn't visibly obvious to someone. It's not a visible disability. But maybe, you know, you're more depressive or something. And you're spending a lot of money on shrinks. You've seen something horrific. And then you're declaring all that income that you've spent on doctors. Do you think that people would dig and kind of go, why are you writing all these tax write-offs? What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Why are you spending so much money on the doctors? And then they find something else out about you. Do you have a right to privacy? This all boils down to one fundamental question. Again, take that money out. Ever how much you earn, whatever dollar bill you're looking at, is that yours? Do do I have a right to know what's in your wallet? Do I have a right to know what's in your bank account? If you own assets like Bitcoin or gold or stocks or bonds, do I have a right to say how much you have? Do you have a right to be secure in your papers and your person? Yes, I'm quoting the Constitution. Do you have that right? Does anyone have that right? I will always ask the question, even to the most closest to you, does your mother have that right to know how much money you have in savings? Like, if your mother came up to you or your father came up to you go, hey, son or daughter, how much money do you have in savings right now? Do they have the right to know? Now, you may be comfortable, you may have a really great relationship with your parents going, well, I have, you know, I have my emer- breaking case of emergency fund of $10,000. Okay. Or you may be like, mm, I don't want to tell you because you might ask me for money. Is it okay to you know be poorer than you know to act poorer than you actually are? Is that okay? or is it okay to pretend to be richer than you actually are? We all have those friends you know who have the fancy cars and they the have all the holidays and you realize it's not actually owned it's on credit Is it okay? now if you have tax returns available online, is that going to break those myths down? Do you have a right to privacy? I ask this because of crime. Because let's change to another story. This week, a DA in Dallas. Yes, Dallas, you know, Texas, I love you. You're the bastion of freedom in some ways. But you have serious issues in your own house that you need to deal with. The Dallas DA has come out with a new revolutionary, brilliant policy because we have to end mass incarceration. And what they've decided is, and I quote, Low-level crime won't be prosecuted. Including in those low-level crimes is theft of under $750 if you, and I quote, need it. Now let me ask you a question to link it in with the first question, with the first story from the New York Times. If you can target someone for $750 and you know their tax returns, is crime going to go up or is crime going to go down? If I can look at your tax returns and kind of go, okay, I'm on this street number two. I got I saw your tax returns. Yeah, you got nothing. But number four, you earn above the minimum wage. You earn like fifty thousand dollars a year. You're rich. I'm going to target you. And number ten, they have a really good job. He works, she works. They have no real kids anymore, and they earn jointly over one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Which houses am I going to rob? Or if I see number house number one is like on minimum wage. Which house am I going to rob if I see your tax returns online? And literally, I have to, in Dallas, decide if I just rob under $750 and I can prove I need it, I'm not going to be prosecuted. Now, the key word in this statement is if you need it. Need it is not a principle. Need is, is not even emotion. Anyone can need anything. Let me give you an example. And I'll use me as a gimme pick. I could rob you And I could rob your Xbox and all your games once it's under $750. I could claim I need it. I could sit here and go, you know what? I'm having a really tough time right now. I have a shoulder injury. I can't work i'm bored i'm sitting at home i can't i'm on steroids i'm on painkillers my brain's a bit fuzzy i have nothing to do and i don't have an xbox i don't even have any playstation i don't have anything i'm bored i needed the xbox that's why i robbed it i just look i was going to give it back in a couple of weeks when i got better but i'm bored does you do you own that xbox do i have a right to it do i have a fundamental right to it or how about something more serious because the liberals will pull on the heartstrings and well look if you know if you just needed the food okay if i am starving and i am starving and i am literally close to death i know i know that's hard to visualize cuz you're thinking me and you're kind of going john you've got a long ass way to get to starving i know but picture someone else and i'm starving and I rob you for... And let's say I just take stuff. I don't take any money. All I take is a loaf of bread and some milk and some meat from your fridge and some cheese and some jam. And I feed myself. Do I have a right to take it? Do I have a right to steal from you? Even if I can prove that I was going to die in the next hour. Do I have a right? Do I have a right to your stuff? Honest question. Because right now, money is under attack on both sides. No one is defending saying, if it's yours, you own it. And that you shouldn't steal from people. How many Republicans are making this case? Hey, don't steal people's stuff. And yes, that includes the government on taxation. How many people make this case? But the third story is, and this is where it kind of comes full circle. Elizabeth Warren this week, because she's running for president, came up with this revolutionary, never heard of idea before. It has been tried, it's been failed, it's gone on many socialist bastions around the world, called free college. Because apparently there's an epidemic in America, and that's student loan debt. Now there are many topics that we can cover and principles on this, but just on the fundamental principle of just covering it quickly. If you went to college... And you have debt. Number one, honestly, I actually feel sorry for you. Because you've believed a narrative that may be true, but in a lot of cases is not true. That you have to make something out of your life. You need a college degree. You look at all the trade jobs that are in America right now. People like Mike Rowe doing amazing work. That can get you a trade and can get you a high paying job. But people don't want that. People want the degrees, you know. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to do manual work. They want the manis and the petties. They want their eyebrows perfect. They want the hair in every perfect place. And they want those office jobs. Am I saying that's wrong? No, because people have freedoms. But if you decide to go to college and to take out enormous amounts of student debt because you say, not only do I need a degree, but I need a degree from this college. And you make that loan and you sign those papers whose responsibility is it is that your responsibility do you own that debt, or do i own it even though i have never went to i may have never went to college i may have never done anything i went to trade school i now have a big paying job i work on an oil rig in south dakota and i earn seventy five thousand dollars and you went to college because your job you wouldn't dare do my job but now you want me to pay for your college degree is that fair that money, that dollar bill that you took out, the $1 bill, the $5 bill, the $10 bill, whatever it is, should you be asked to give that to someone else to pay off their student loans that you might never have? Or if you went to college, if you believed that myth and you went, you know what, I want to have the best degree, okay, cool, and you paid off your student loans, should you then be turned around and say, well, I've got to pay off someone else's? I start this by asking you the questions at the start. That money you have, is it yours? Did you earn it? And is it up to you how you spend it? Just something to think about this weekend as the Democrats and the Republicans are going to talk about all socialist big government programs. Because by the way, just on a side point, student loan forgiveness is not, if Elizabeth Warren does it, she won't be the first. This last Congress and this administration under Betsy DeVos Did student loan forgiveness in the last in the last I think it was like a year ago it wasn't the first time it won't be the last time but we have to ask ourselves honest questions do you want to just be about the left sucking or do you want to be about principles on both sides finish up today by just asking you a personal favor if you listen to someone in this industry or you write, read someone's writings on a regular basis and especially i'm going to say something very sexist here especially if they're a female reach out to them and tell them thank you today even if it's a man do it just tell them that you you know this job can be very lonely you never get to hear hey you know you do a good job Hey, I really appreciate your writings or your comments or your feedback or your videos or your, you know, your commentary. The reason I ask this, and especially if you're a woman, this industry and this world really can suck at times. And it can be feel like, you know what, you're, you're not making a difference. And it can be easy to believe and see only the voices that hate you. This week, my, one of my colleagues went through a really bad time. Went through a really hard time. Now, she's standing up to it. But women in this industry, especially conservative women, get a really tough time. If you speak out on anybody, on anything, you're going to get hate. You're going to get insults. You may even get threats. You may even get death threats. Guys, as someone who has been around and has managed staff, guys get it relatively light. Like, I've got my stuff. Hey, you're fat. Wow, wow. really? Did you go to school to learn that? Oh, you you know, mind your own business. You're ugly. Uh Uh-huh. You're going to die a virgin. Uh Uh-huh. You get the other stuff. Well, if I ever see you, I'm going to beat you up. Guys are macho. You know, that type of stuff. I'm going to beat you up. Uh Uh-huh. Wonderful. Great. I've seen it. It's not, I'm not, I'm not defending it, but guys get it. It's boring. It's bland. It's vanilla. I've been around guys who get debt threats and get threats and get, you know, hate mail. It's very bland. It's very vanilla. It's very the same. Women, on the other hand, get it much worse. I have seen female colleagues in this industry get mail that would blow your mind. I've seen some of the most horrific stuff of how, and literally going into details of how they would rape you. And in, I mean, incredible details. Like this isn't like one sentence. Hey, I, you know, I'm going to rape you and do certain things. I mean, like paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of that graphic things they would do to them. When you get that, it's so easy to go. You know what? <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. I want. I love my country and I want to make a difference. But I did not sign up for this. And especially if you're a female. You know, if you're a mother, you're like, you know, what? I don't want my kids reading stuff that they would do these things to me. I'm not taking the chance. The sad thing is, and I don't mean to dismiss this, the vast, vast, vast majority, and I mean 99.9% of time, the people who write this are pussycats. They literally have the protection of a, of a social media platform or an email where they can't be seen or never called out that if they wrote all that stuff and then you saw them on the street, they would not say a thing to you. They're pussy pussycats. But that does not make it any less concerning. This week, because my colleague Sarah Gonzalez dared tweet out that she got a chicken salad, I think it was, and she was not happy with getting a wooden fork. She tweeted this. Oh my God, she deserves evidence she gets. She criticized a wooden fork, John. Yeah, she criticized a wooden fork. But she got doxxed. She got intimidated. She got harassed. Now, Sarah, as someone who knows her, is not weak. And God bless her in that she's determined to stand up to it. And God bless America and the Second Amendment because she carries. So if anything does happen in the unlikely event, please God it doesn't, she's ready to defend herself. This is the world we live in general rules in life don't insult people don't throw hate don't dox people but if you feel the need if you have that twitchy finger if I may offer you a piece of advice don't target people like Sarah for two reasons one she carries two and I'm not including myself in this if you want to include it you can she has a lot of colleagues who are tough and who have done things in the military. And who have done a lot of tough things. And who are pretty, you know, would jump down your throat if you touched her. This is the world we live in. We need more voices, not less. I don't agree with Sarah on everything. That's not a requisite. I don't know who I agree with on everything. That is not a standard that I hold. But we need more voices. We need more discussion. Whether you like Sarah or not is irrelevant. People like Sarah or anybody should not be threatened, should not be insulted, shouldn't certainly not be doxxed because you dare have a difference of opinion. Just because someone has a difference of opinion grow up. Get over it. Doesn't have to be they're your enemy. You don't have to crush everyone. This idea where someone had dares have a difference of opinion and we have to get on Twitter and you know share funny memes and insult them and demean them. These people are people's mothers, people's fathers. How about we meet on the battleground of ideas? Not personal. How about that? If you listen to someone, share them, talk, reach out to them today, they may never respond. I don't know what other people do. But you say, listen, I I listen to you. I read your work. Thank you for being a voice. I agree with you a lot of the time or some of the time or no the time. But I appreciate how you think. But if you have a female person that you like, Reach out to them and say, I can't imagine the hate you get, but I just want you to know you're appreciated. Because trust me, as someone who's lucky to get some of that, it makes your world. It makes my day when you get it. It makes you feel like you're not just doing something for nothing. That someone somewhere appreciates you. And it gives you the encouragement to go on for another show, for another month, for another article. So please reach out to someone, especially a female, and just say thank you. As always, we finish up today's show the way we do each and every week, by saluting the military, the police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, you know, generally men and women who, you know, are not sitting in cushy office jobs, but who are actually risking their lives. And to the politician who will remain nameless, who thought it was a good idea to insult nurses this week, that, well, they're only playing cards. Shame on you. Shame on you. Nurses do a lot of good. And I would say to you, if that's what you really think, how about you walk a mile in their shoes? They're not playing cards. But maybe if they were, maybe a reason might be because they've seen something truly horrific today. Or have had to deal with some death. I've not been able to help someone. And maybe, just maybe, they needed two or three minutes break, escape of not thinking about all the debt and... P- Pain and suffering they have to deal with For 8, 10, 12 hours a day Maybe they just needed 5 minutes of I don't know, mindless poker But we salute you too And I salute you, the great American people Never ever forget America is great because Americans are good Not your politicians, but your people That is what you're defined by And please consider sharing this show With your family and your friends this is how we will grow. This is how we will share principles. And my narrative of America being factually an exceptional nation. Until next Saturday at twelve noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.